<laughs> yeah, the mic was calling me, guys. I had to record. I was planning on recording tomorrow, but I was heading out and the mic was just looking at me, you know. What? <laughs> it was just staring at me with its sad eyes and I was like, shit. I should record right now. Yeah, yeah. I've been I've been meaning to talk about inner dialogues the past while. I've been thinking about that a lot because my inner dialogue has been pretty weird. And you, you know what the inner dialogue is. We all have it. You know this voice in our heads that's always telling us what's going on or what's happening and inserts its opinion every now and then about the things that we're doing or the things that are happening. And in a in a way that shapes how we see things. And I I find that funny because I'm. I've always been, we all have a certain degree of awareness with this dialogue that's going on in our heads, but the more I try to be aware of it, the more it gets stronger, let's say, because the more you're aware of it, the more you're feeding into it, I guess, I'm not entirely sure, but, you know, I sort of put myself in this narrative by writing the book and releasing it on my birthday and it's it's a big topic. It's not just it's not a, a small issue. It's basically the inner workings of, of the universe <laughs> to begin with, and and it it somehow felt so right. I was I was in this place writing this book, and I felt like there's no other place I I need to be. This is what I'm working towards. Is 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 what matters, and I could get hit by a bus tomorrow, and that's fine. But what I am what I'm doing right now, what's in my control, I actually like, and I'm actually putting my energy into it. And then after that finished, you know, I, I was done with my birthday and and then my nephew was born and and all of all of this magic was happening in my life, but I felt detached to all of it. You know, I felt like I felt detached. I feel so detached and, and I hate that in a way. It's it's nice to be detached, you know, you're not you're not carried and swept away by everything, but at the same time I feel less human somehow even though at the same time you're somehow more human it's it's a weird thing to be detached like that and a part of me didn't want to be detached anymore a part of me wanted to feel connected even though i do feel connected to, to a certain degree but it's it's weird you know this this voice that keeps speaking every now and then like i i started looking at this detachment as a type of depression that I'm, I'm going through i feel like i feel like i'm depressed but in a very weird way in a way that i would never hurt myself i'd never kill myself or anything like that i feel like that goes against my nature and that goes against the nature of everything that i believe in and that's this energy that just i feel like ending it would be wrong but with this detachment there comes a lack of feeling but at the same time i am feeling but you th you think about you think th you think about these thoughts like I gave a presentation in university yesterday actually, and I chose the topic uh, to be how like my case an argument to why the universe is inherently intelligent right just because I wanted to do like maximum result minimum effort I already wrote a book about this doing a presentation about it wouldn't be too hard so I put my slides together we had like twenty minutes to talk and I talked. And I told them like my examples and I went through the same uh, anecdotes that I went through in the book and we had a discussion and I answered their questions and, and like they were asking about how 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 does this relate to business, Khaled? <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm sure I'm sure it relates to business, but I just want to know from you like how how this relates to business, and I can't come up with this solid argument of how because of how energy moves and the the patterns that things follow, and being as as a manager or a leader in an organization and understanding hierarchies and how energy moves and all of that, you get to communicate your being in a more effective way and if you can get if you can organize and arrange the entire company to flow <laughs> then then it's going to to grow and change with with the environment and that same nature of change was inherent in us and ingrained in us by nature and businesses are just a reflection of that as a higher level of complexity of energy trying to represent itself to itself <laughs> and then i had to laugh you know i i laughed a bit and i told them you know i think it's just funny when i talk like this sometimes when you start talking about you know how energy is just representing its complexity on a different level and they, they both looked at me with really wide eyes and they were like whoa we, we really didn't see this coming and you know thanks for that you know it must be brilliant you know how how you put this together and how how you thought about that and as the teacher the teacher was saying this i looked at her and the inner dialogue in my head was going on like yeah but like now i'm depressed as shit so <laughs> sure it might be you might think it's it's nice and smart or brilliant but it just it, it did something to me I, it's, i'm still not understanding and that's something i'm always going through you know i feel like um like i explained that in the presentation too how intelligence is an optimization process from a to b but whenever you get to b there's always c so there's B, C, B, C, B, C, always, you know, and then A and B become sort of one, and then there's C, and then C is now the new B, and then A, A and B become one again, and then you have C. And I'm going through that in my head a lot, like this different phases I'm going through, and they change so quickly of what I believe, what I feel towards myself, what I feel towards everything, and that's sort of bothering me, man, because I just want to be stable a bit you know but uh, as as i talk and as i as i'm talking to them and giving them the presentation you know one of the teachers would be talking about how uh no i'd be talking sorry and giving the presentation so when i look at we had two teachers observing me so I, i'd look at one and then i'd look at the next and every time i i make eye contact with the other teacher she always you know like squeezed her eyebrows and, and nodded and, and like smiled so that, that she knows that she, I have her attention and, and she's listening. So even if I look at the other teacher for two seconds and I look back at her, she would do that same exact movement. So I, as I was talking, you know, my, my body's like giving the presentation and my body is really in it, but my mind is only focused on, <laughs> on this one thing. And, and I thought to myself, like, I'd look at the other teacher and I'd tell myself, okay, like, if I look at her again, is she going to do the same move again? And I'd look at her and she'd do it again. And I, I, I just think it's hilarious how my brain can be busy with something like this. And it involves something bodily that I'm doing because I have to change how I look during my presentation or who, who I look at. And then I'd look back and then I'd, I'd get these thoughts and and it's just happening automatically. Like, I'm, I'm thinking about these things and... It's not something like I I try to to control or or let happen and and a lot of a lot of other situations like this are always happening you know when you're interacting with someone and like let's say I I meet a friend who I haven't seen in a very long time and I give them a hug and in that moment my brain would go through three four different things that I could mention and talk about as an opener in the conversation 
but you can only act out one thing and you're acting out in an environment where there has to be a dynamic between you and the other person so you can't just act what's in your head and forget about the world it has to be an equilibrium with the world somehow and then the moment sort of passes and and you choose like one of the things that you're going to say or they say something and then you accommodate to it again and you discard those original comments that you wanted to say and you can you find another set of comments that you can you can go on and that's happening in your head without without thinking about it you know like even 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 if you're not aware of it it's always happening like there's this part of you that's calculating what could what what can i do now or what shouldn't i do now and sometimes you hold on to to what you calculated for a long time like let's say when i hugged my friend i kept this one topic in mind and i wanted to talk about this one topic and then like 10 seconds in i continued bringing it up because my i didn't want to think about anything else but like sometimes you discard that and find another set of things you can talk about this really isn't how I, how I expected this this episode to go, but you no, know, that's that's the point. Uh, you just start talking, and, and things start playing themselves out. And as I'm talking, you know, my brain's always has like is telling me as at the same time this inner dialogue of how this is with this or that, or maybe build it on that or do it with that. And I'm I'm not trying to like over complicate my thought process it's not like it's it's a million things happening at once it's very normal it's just going and it's it's happening but uh, I guess my issue with that is that I'm just focused a lot on this inner dialogue at the moment and sometimes it's not that nice sometimes it's it's things like when I'm talking to someone on the phone and they say bye I'd say bye on the phone but in my head a voice says yeah good riddance you know peace uh, and I know that that voice isn't me and I, and I know that it's not something I feel or identify with at all but it just happens anyways and and I'm sure I'm sure this happens to a lot of other people you know where you have this voice that comes in that, that's just like what the fuck you know I'm, what the hell this, this this isn't a part of me and yeah I I I don't know what to expect from from my inner dialogue a lot of the time. Sometimes it's what I would like to say to people when I'm talking to them or things I could say or sometimes it's just between myself when I'm you know cooking or doing anything and you have all of all of these stories that pop up with a friend here or a friend there how this friend treated you that other time and how that made you feel. You now I talked about how I was bothered by my friend Jan not giving me a gift like a proper uh, amazing gift on on my birthday and I, I I thought about that a lot you know like why did it bother me the expectations that I have are they are they fair to him you know that I had these expectations of him and how maybe his attitude as a friend has been a bit detached this past while and I, I get and I understand that and but I, I sent him a long text message telling him how I feel and we're, we're gonna talk tomorrow more but uh I think, of course, it's important to approach these thoughts that you have. But if you think about a certain set of thoughts for so long and they you manifest them so much that they become a part of you. So like I thought about how I thought about this gift and how my relationship is with him for a while. And the end result of me thinking about it so much is me sending him that message and telling him like, dude, I've been bothered by this, 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 and I had to tell you about it. And here's me telling you about it. 
and I know he can take it, you know, I know like it won't, uh, like, we're not breaking up or anything or we won't be friends. But it's just sometimes we feel like we shouldn't tell the people that we love that we have an issue with them because we think that that might ruin our love to them or something. And we, we have certain resentments here and there or certain things that piss us off and we don't mention them and we don't bring them up and that just eats away at us because a part of our inner dialogue is always mentioning in our heads like, oh, he's he's better than you in this or he has that or this or that, especially with family members. Like uh, you you live together in the same house and you happen to love each other, but also fight all the time. But I, I think it's so important to sit down with the people you love and actually tell them, you know, like this is what what's going on in my head and I don't feel like this is right. Can we clear this out? And, and hopefully we do that tomorrow. Wow. Yeah, another thing I really wanted to get into was a dream I had like eight days ago. It was a qu quite a while, but I remember it. it I, was, I was in a green field, but it was sort of a hill. I was on a green hill and I was going sideways on the hill. So I wasn't going up or down. I was just going, walking. And I was following someone really close. Like I was... I was touching their back, basically. Um, I was very close to them, as if we were one person. And I could see from my perspective, I couldn't see from the person's perspective, but I, I knew that that person was also me. And that person was very, very calm, quiet and walking slowly. And I, from the perspective of, of the dreamer and that dream, was more afraid and terrified. And I'm following this detached, slow-walking, calm version of me. And to both sides of, of the cliff, of the hill, to, to my right, there's two wolves following, uh, following people that were around us too. For some reason, there were other people being chased by the wolves. So there were wolves and they're chasing the people, but they only chased those who really paid attention to them and, and really you know, bothered to be afraid of them. And even this fearful me that was following the detached me knew that I shouldn't pay attention to them. I should just be attached and I should just keep on moving. I should just keep on moving. I should just keep on moving. Don't, don't focus on the wolves. Don't focus on the wolves. Don't focus on the wolves. And I kept telling myself that in the dream. But the more I told myself not to focus on the wolves, the more I obviously focused on the wolves because even that attempt on not focusing on them is a certain focus that I'm putting on them. And they were still following other people, they weren't noticing me, but the more I tried not to notice them, the more they started to notice me, right? They noticed me more and more and more until they actually started coming at me or coming to me. And my detached person I'm following was just moving. Completely calm, completely nothing, just moving, no worries, no nothing, just moving, just moving, just moving. And I was moving with him, but the wolves were to my left and to my right, and I didn't know what to do. I, I kept on telling myself, detach, don't focus on them, don't focus on them, don't focus on them, you know, it's pretty counterproductive, but... Just detached from, detach from the fear that you have of them, and they won't be scary anymore. Because fear is internal, 
isn't it? And I wanted to detach from that, and I couldn't. And the more I looked at the wolves, the, the scarier they got. The, the bigger their teeth got, the louder their barks became. And I'd see like their teeth become gray and big and full of full of like their their spit and saliva and how they'd howl at me and they jump around me. They didn't touch me not once. They did not touch me. But the more I looked at them, the more I was afraid of them. And that fear in itself, that fear touched me, right? And talking talking about it now, it feels really different than I than I how I had it in my head because now I I actually put it in words and now it sort of makes a lot of sense to me. And because I do have I do have this side to me that's detached, right? And I and I have this side to me that's afraid. And there's a million things I can be afraid of. There's my sister who got pregnant and had her baby. A million things could have gone wrong there. And a million things almost did go wrong. You know, she went into labor for 12 hours and at the end she had to have a C-section. Otherwise the baby would have died. I didn't know that until yesterday or the day before. And I was like, what? How didn't I know that? You know? And yeah, that that contributes to the to the sense of loneliness I feel at the moment. I don't feel like I'm. I, I I do feel lonely, but I'm I'm okay with that. But yeah, there's a million things that can go wrong. You know, maybe no one would read my book. Maybe no one likes the podcast, or maybe people listen to the podcast and think, "Oh, this guy's is a complete idiot," or. I don't find a job, I become broke. Uh, there's a million things that can go wrong. and But there's a part of me, that, that detached part, that knows that everything's going to work out. No matter what, life will move on and life will continue, either through me or through anyone else. And the only sure thing I have right now is this. Knowing that no matter what happens, I'm going to record once a week. I'm going to sit in front of this mic and I'm going to talk. And and it's so helpful, really, because you know sometimes you forget you forget your worth or you forget what you're working towards or you have these thoughts in your head. Some some of them that tell you you're not good enough, or some of them that tell you to to quit, or some of them that tell you that you're depressed or some of them that tell you not to continue or some of them that tell you that you don't matter anymore and you know a part of that is true in a sense nothing matters but everything does matter but you know you have you have all of these thoughts building your that shape and help shape your idea of the world and who you are and are these thoughts going to help you or are they going to hurt you or are they you are they anything you know, part of me almost forgot that I, I wrote a book that I'm really proud of. Um, I really like what I did. I'm really happy about this. Sure, there's a lot of things I'd like to edit and add in, but I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing well. I'm doing what I know I need to. Sure, sometimes I'm lazy. Sometimes I don't have the energy. Sometimes I I don't know uh, what I do, but it's it's a part of the process I'm going through, I guess. And this is a part of the process that's just like, it's like the pillar keeping me up, you know, in a, a lot of ways. And I'm sure it's going to be that for me for a very, 
for a very long time. I actually felt like talking about two days ago and I put the mic in front of me and I started, I, I said like, the mic is on or something like that. <laughs> and I, I just sat there for like two minutes, didn't say anything. And I didn't feel like saying anything. But, you know, I was comfortable knowing that I still had four days before I had to actually upload something so I could record again another day. And it's it's funny, like, you keep going through these different f phases depending on what your inner, inner dialogue is. And what I started doing was, or is, I started listening to more motivational uh, videos and and audios on, on my phone just because just I want to fill my brain with... Uh, with the motivation, right? Because what you absorb has a hand in shaping you, either food or thought, food for thought. And listening to Midnight Wisdom once a week, every week, for example, is definitely going to influence how you start seeing things, seeing your internal dialogue or seeing what makes you happy or seeing these small things, sure, a lot of it is, is my perspective, a lot of it has to do with my stories, but it's not that my story is unique in any way. It's just that I'm willing to share my story in a way that I I think makes sense, or in a way that's relatable to other people, because it's not as if I'm the only person that has an inner dialogue that, that's happening in their head whenever they're doing anything, or whenever they're interacting with anything, or whenever they're creating anything. And I guess the nicest is when that inner dialogue sort of shuts down and you're just doing what it is that you're doing without the the noise. And maybe that's a lot of what a state of flow is when you're working and you feel like it's just happening through you rather than you doing it. And I guess things like good music or a TV show that's really good, these things do that too. I, I think that they put you in a state that you, the inner dialogue or the voices in your head sort of die down and you're, and you're just immersed in what, what it is that you're absorbing. But the second what, it, what you're absorbing is done and finished um, and it stops, then the voices come back and they're pretty loud. So then you try to find the next thing that might shut them up. And that's not a sustainable way to, to live your life if you're always trying to avoid something so deep and deeply ingrained inside of you, right? Uh, so yeah, this dream makes sense. You know, I have a part of me that's really scared and a part of me that knows I just need to move. I just need to continue putting energy into what might be scary. It's just taking energy away from me moving the way I need to move. I need to sit down and work on what I need to work on the way I need to work on it, and that's it. And I need to utterly and completely believe that. I need to completely trust and believe that, and that's it. It's the only thing that matters. It's the only thing that I am. I actually tried to keep note of my inner dialogues for, for the last week so that I can actually kind of say and mention a few examples of, of certain moments that that like I found funny or special, you know, like me in the kitchen thinking about something completely odd or like meditating and getting a thought in my head and, and noting it and then forgetting about it uh, after I'm done meditating. And, and it's so hard to keep note of them if I don't write them down instantly and I don't write them down instantly. But at the moment, you're so aware of it and you, and you see it and you can you can say what you think about it, but then it's gone somehow. 
you know, it's so fleeting, it's so fleeting, it's so fast, it's uh, thoughts and the echo of your mind just moving, 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 it's crazy, it's crazy, it's all crazy, <laughs> it's the fact that we exist is just insane, and a part of me, like, uh, for the longest time just wants to wake up, you know, I feel like I want to wake up, no, ma no matter what I do, I'm, I'll always be in my body until I die, and I'm not saying that death will death will wake me up. I'm not saying that at all. But it's just like a part of me wants to shed my skin and be clean and, and pure again. And I don't know how to say that any better. It's just... And, I, and sometimes you'd think, like, maybe if I meditate, I'll feel that. Maybe if I shower, I'll feel that. Maybe if I do this, I'll feel that. Maybe if I eat this, I'll feel that. Maybe if I smoke that or take that or sleep with with her or talk to him or do that, then, then I might feel that. But no. And even trying to approach a state where you're feeling that is not going to let you feel that this purity of, of soul, of, of just weightless being, skinless, <laughs> like take, taking this blanket cover off of me and seeing everything. But it's funny because I, I feel like I, I am sort of in a state of, of just less thought and more action and more doing. Uh, but... But every time, every time I look to a memory in the past, I feel like that memory was was a cherished moment I'd like to go back to. This has been happening quite often to me recently. It's like I had a, I had a drink with a friend of mine yesterday, just a like not even alcoholic, just a like a juice at a place, and. And I drank that, and today I thought back to yesterday having that drink with him and just talking. I thought, whoa, that was that was calm, that was nice, you know. And when I was in it, I didn't think about being in it. I was just in it. And looking back, I'm like, wow, I'd like to do that again. I'd like to repeat that somehow. I'd like to repeat all of this somehow. I'd like to write my book again. I'd like to to record again I'd like to re-record my course I'd like to relearn my languages I'd like to relive in Madrid I'd like to do all of that even though as I go through it I can't wait till it's done or I'm just waiting to get something out of it or a million things uh, and it's just funny that, that we can exist in a state like that Yeah, and I, I took a I took a small break. It's been nine days since I released the book, so I took a small break to like relax my mind about it, so that when I look at it again, I look at it with fresh eyes, right? And as I go through my day, you have I have these voices coming up telling me, "Oh, I should have mentioned this. Oh, I should have mentioned that." But those things I do write down actually because I don't want to let them go. And uh, I want to go through them and go through the book again. And, you know, I almost memorized the entire thing, you know, like a friend was talking to me and she told me about how she read this one part 
and I told her and I, then I realized like wow I, I remember exactly what came before that part and I remember exactly what came after that part you know almost verbatim or at least the topics that's just because of how many times I went through it and and it's crazy like when this happens like when you're so focused on something and you know I, I mentioned this in uh, three days to 23 about how how I tell myself I want to sleep on it when I when I'm writing uh when you when you when I feel like I reach a moment where I, I don't know like what to do or what to, what to continue I'm like just sleep on it dude sleep on it sleep on it and I'd sleep on it and when I when I sleep on it it's it's funny because there is a part of me conscious of a, of something going on in my head that's organizing everything that I'm trying to put into words right so I I'd see it visually. I'd see like on a paper. I'd see I'd see the paragraphs. I'd see the words. I see the sentences about certain topics and how these sentences and topics are are being articulated in a very beautiful, coherent way. And then I'd wake up the next day. I'd go through my day, and eventually I'd sit down and I'd start writing, and it would all come out of me without even thinking about it. And I love that this this sense of a flow of effortless. Uh, creation but it's my brain doing that as i sleep you know and then like when i come back into existence you know it's 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 there but a part of me would just like to do that without the having to sleep part because i just want to get it done you know but i as i don't think that's a part of my process as a writer and you know now i can actually sit down and start thinking about you know what, what is my process as a writer you know like how how do i want to go on about thinking about a certain concept that I want to explain to people in a certain way and then actively try to explain it right and the more you put attention into something that you're doing the more your brain is going to try to find a solution for it and because I was focusing so much on the book and reading it so much and rereading what I wrote constantly and every time I read reread what I wrote I find some different things that I can change and uh, then like I start seeing it as uh, in front of me a piece of paper with paragraphs being put in different places and different words and different everything and the same thing happened with the online course right like how I was arranging the videos in the online course or what I wanted to say in the videos or all of that it was all happening in my head as I was falling asleep and then I'd come the next day and I'd, I'd actually do it and I'd, I'd do it easily or easier than the day before and I'm I'm not sure about the quality. I'm not sure of how great the. In my perspective, I like most of what I've written in the book. I really think like I I bring the idea home, but um, I don't know how anyone else would think about that. But I I haven't actually marketed the book properly and and told everyone that I've written it because I I a part of me still wants it to be completely perfect before I I take that step. You know, I want I want it to be an, a flawless experience from a flawless experience from the start. And you know, you can tell me Khalid, you shouldn't be a perfectionist or Khalid. Uh, when it's done, I'll know it's done. I, I'm sure, and then it's done, and then I can move on with my life. <laughs> and yeah, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna do a bit of reading to tonight and and try to. To think about how I'd like to continue with the book as well. And I, I did a lot of reading for online education, online educational platforms, and education in general. And I think that would be something just great to talk about at some point. Um, 
or just now because I've been trying to limit my episodes to like 30 minutes like right now but if I tell myself I want to talk about online education next week uh, next week I don't know what's going to happen during the week and I don't know what I'm going to want to talk about then and then I might not talk about online education or what I've learned from online education so far so I'll do that now <clears throat> so yeah, I've been I've been thinking about how I wanted to go on about this because um my topic is online educational platforms is a two-sided market. So what is a two-sided market? A two-sided market is any place where two sides interact together in an in an area, let's say, or using a certain tool or uh, being on a certain platform. So when I use uh when I go to the shop and I use a credit card, so Visa in this case or whatever, that credit card is between me and the merchant so i'm 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 the customer and i'm paying and the guy selling the the product is the one that's getting the money but how the money is going from me to him is going through that that process or that intermediate intermediary between us and a two-sided market is something like youtube too you know you have content creators and you have consumers uh, just like the merchant and the buyer the and then you have the YouTuber and you have the people looking at YouTube videos. And and it's the same with um, a PlayStation or a console. So you have uh, a gaming publisher, the ones publishing the games, and you have the gamers. No one, no one can exist without the other. But how the platform itself decides to interact with both sides, so how a company, uh, a gaming platform company like sony who made the playstation wants to interact with the game developers that are releasing the games and how they want to interact with the players that are playing the games it all affects each other so if they want to if they want to put more advertising into the consumer area instead of on the other side of the market of the game developer area they'd probably benefit more because if i put money into getting more players automatically by having more players that's going to be an incentive for more game development that's going to be an incentive for more game developers to come in and make games so i don't need to put money into advertising for game developers i need to get consumers and the game developers will come on their own and just by that process you know you have to see like if i put money here in advertising what is it going to affect is it just going to affect this part is it going to decrease that part is it going to increase the money I'm making in this area or that area? So if you want to think about it more, it's, it also has a lot to do with price. So if I want to increase the price on one side, like because Sony is making money off of the game developers and the, the gamers as well. So if I if I put more barriers for game developers to, to develop games on my console, on my PlayStation, then what what could they do? They might go to use the xbox instead and develop more games there instead of use me so am i am i going to want to give them more barriers or do i want to as a way to compete with xbox do i want to make myself more exclusive by allowing anyone who makes games for my platform only make them for my platform and not make them for both consoles because we forget that there okay there's this one platform that has gamers and has game developers so content creators and consumers usually there's other platforms that have content creators and consumers too and the content creators can create and put on more than one platform 
but it's usually the consumer who only consumes on one platform. So that's something that we have to be aware of. And how does this relate to my thesis? Because we have a lot of online educational platforms and they call them MOOCs, which is which is an acronym for Massive Online Open Courses. So anything like Coursera, Udemy, uh, Udacity, EDX, uh, these are all places you can go to to take courses, right? And some of them for free, some of them you have to pay. So... I wanted to, to look at that because I think like that's going to be the future in a lot of ways. And I wanted to see how the market is going to grow. I wanted to see how uh, how these systems grew to begin with. I, th- I thought that was really important because you'll always, with platforms, you'll always have this chicken and the egg problem, which is how am I going to get consumers if I don't have content? How am I going to have content? How am I going to have people that create content create content without there being any consumers so at the beginning they either have to create a lot of content themselves or they have to buy it from another platform or they have to uh, (laughs) i have to read more into this to be honest but that's that's a question like how do they even build the system to begin with how do they advertise it Um, how do they advertise their services or their courses how do they incentivize people to actually even take their courses because you don't get you you can get a certificate and and sure it might make you more attractive on the job market uh, but it, it's not a university degree and it's not it doesn't give you credits on your degree it doesn't anything like that so it depends on the employer and what he thinks what he thinks is a skill that's useful and if you do have a certificate on it or not and of course you know having a certificate and something extra is going to make you look more attractive than another another empl- employee that's applying for for a job and I, th- I think that's funny now because I'm, I'm applying for a lot of jobs and I get a lot of emails back that tell me, you know, you, you look like a great candidate and we wish you the best. But we decided to go with another candidate who was just who just seemed to be more more qualified or better for the job or more suited. And I always like I always find it so funny when I find this email because I always think to myself, like, I, I want to meet this guy. You know, I, I want to meet this magical person who somehow always better than me at every job I apply to am I am I actually genuinely curious I want to meet this person that they hired instead of me always that that can be such a lesson you know that can be such a valuable I can make a company out of this (laughs) you know get to see the person that they hired instead of you and, and you see like what degrees they have or what qualifications and how they act and how they talk and or whatever like how they are as people generally and then you can take note and try to be more like that person right uh <laughs> so there's a business idea in there somewhere you know you guys can can start working on that <clears throat> so yeah so that is so exactly so you students have a motivation to take courses and that motivation is to start working and having a higher salary or to be more competitive in the job market and businesses have a stake in this too because they want good employees and if the employees are trained properly then they benefit too because they have higher higher performers working for them in their company so in that indirect sense they're they're related to all of that and then you have the government related to all of that because the government has its own curriculum for its educational system and it wants uh companies to hire based on those certificates or degrees that it deems as 
what's the word? <laughs> it deems as legit, legitimate. Yeah, it, de- it deems as legitimate because, like, right now I, I'm gonna have a degree from from a German university, and if I wanted to go work in Jordan, the Jordanian government might be like, we don't, we we can't legitimize your your degree over there. You should have studied at this other university, or you should have. A study to, at a university here or you have to go through this entire process for us to certify that you're you have this type of degree and there's that political system in it too and, and politics are crazy like that because they want you to go through let's say four years of university and honestly like uh imagine imagine like you, you already know everything about this topic and if you t- if you take the final exams right now you would pass them all with amazing grades but they don't let you because you have to go through the process that they dictate is important for for their system and if if you really look at that you realize that these these systems in place this, these political systems they they want to continue continuing just like life or just like anything and education is one form of creating individuals that fit the system already so that the institutions in that system continue to function the way they used to in a sustainable way. So to do that, going through a two to four year process in the educational system is a part of a part of that. I think some parts of that have to do with, you know, having a bigger gap or time uh, buffer between those that just graduate did from school before they enter the job market or something like that. You know, that's one bad reason, but there's a million reasons you have to go through that process in a certain way. And then during that process, and as you go through it in a certain way, there's pedagogy. I'm not sure I'm saying it right. Pedagogy. And it's it means pedagogy is the method of teaching the instructor uses to teach. And every instructor has, of course, their unique way of teaching. You know, some people want to be more interactive. Some people want to decide on a, you know, halfway between the real life interaction curriculum. And and you can do like half at home online. Um, So pedagogy is really important because another paper I read was what talked about education and experience. And it talks about how experience is shaped and experience builds on experience and allows for further experience to be built because it just by having a certain experience like being being able to see for example that experience in itself widens everything that you can do it opens up the world of seeing for you and then you can interact with the world differently and it's the same with knowledge whatever you know it widens your scope of what you what relationships you think are relevant or not and then you continue with that right uh, <laughs> I think it's so interesting because if you if you link pedagogy with with experience and education, you see that it's the teacher's responsibility at every turn to let the students to facilitate letting the students learn on their own with minimum intervention, leading them in a direction that that makes sense to to the direction that they need to grow in. And be able to see that each individual needs to grow in their own direction and how each individual's experience is a part of the group's experience and how that group is going to continue on.
And with that, if you look at that, you know, let's look at the teacher. How how much how much should a teacher intervene when when he's teaching? Should should you just give them the books and tell them, okay, do it, read all of these and come back later and and figure it out for yourself, or do you give them a starting point where you just feed their curiosity a bit and you feed them tiny bits here and here and here and here and there and there and there and here and blah 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 blah. And then they go out, out and about and they fill those things and they're curious and they do that. And I talked with, about that with Alia in our Earth Warriors episode and how progressive schools are doing that. They're just facilitating children learning and doing on their own because at the end of the day, knowledge is what you're using to interact with the world effectively. But we forget that we need to act with the world. What we do is we learn individual aspects like mathematics or science or physics or you know geometry and mathematics and all, all of these things we learn about them individually but we never see how they interact and the only time we really see how they interact is when we build something you know when i had to write the book i had uh, designing aspects i had grammar aspects i had you know okay then there's marketing aspects there's all of these and in uni i studied marketing um, in uni i studied hr i studied about organizations i studied about languages but if I if I'm in a business setting, all of these things merge and they act as one together. And it was the same with the book. It wasn't just one aspect. You know, I can get really really good at writing, but if I can't design and market the book, no one's gonna buy it. Uh, and it's it's the same if I'm engineering. I'm going to have to do a bit of mathematics here, but at the end, I'm gonna have to build a proper model of something and see how it's going to work in real life. So there's a there's a separation between the elements that we're studying that's really not proper you know it's not it's not gonna get us anywhere uh sure but knowing the individual elements help us branch out and, and link but just from the outset from that starting central point branching out into interacting and filling in those blanks as you interact you'll see that within the process okay here is where i need to be creative and then from creativity i need to go to practicality and from practicality i need to go to experimenting and prototyping and sharing ideas with other people and then mathematics here in this part building in there that part i need these raw materials and then you see how everything connects and you do it and that's something that we we don't have in our schools right and we don't have them in online educational platforms either really like most of most online educational platforms what they have is, is a standard model of videos either with slideshows or someone talking and with pictures. And yeah, I've done that with my course. You know, I talked and I, I put pictures on the side or certain words around me. And, you know, that can be effective and all of that. But let's say in a course about happiness, it can work. Uh, but in a course about, let's say, design, you know, let's say like I want to teach you design. And I tell you the steps. I show you how the tool works. and I do all of that. And I give you an exercise and I tell you, OK, do it. And you're sitting at home now learning design online and you're going at it and, and you have certain adjustments that you need to do that you can't be aware of because you're a learner. But if you have an instructor above your shoulder looking at what you're doing, he can tell you like, oh, okay, yeah, here, this, this and this and this is how you can go about circumventing this problem and continuing. And by having that real-time feedback at that exact moment, that's where real learning is developed and continues to grow properly. And that's what a lot of online educational platforms lack, this real-time engagement and interactive element. 
And what they do is they try to have the students correct each other's papers or peer grading and all of that. But seriously, like just just having someone next to you that that tells you like, okay, this is how you can deal with this right now or this is how you can think about dealing with this right now is so important. And and you can look at we can look at the next step in online educational platforms and, and think about how when people wear VR headsets, they can be in a virtual classroom and they can sit down and they can watch the lecture or give a lecture real time. But the lecturer can only be able to interact with a certain number of people, let's say 20. I can't answer more than 20 questions from 20 people, you know. But it doesn't mean that 50,000 other people can't watch that same lecture forever, whenever they want to. But as this teacher lectures right now, he can give feedback to these people in this room right now. And giving feedback to these people right now in real time, in that virtual simulation that everyone's in, can be enough for the 50,000 people looking at those other people make their, their mistakes and learning from the feedback they got from the teacher on their mistakes. And that that's all going to be possible. You're going to wear a headset, you're going to be in a in a classroom and you're going to have you're going to have your avatar you'll raise your hand the, t- the teacher will be able to come over to you and see what it is you're working on from your screen and be able to tell you what to fix and change from that perspective and that entire simulation can be saved and watched from different perspectives from other people or it can be given again by the same lecturer and to make it valuably a good option money-wise you can have the people who actually interact and and ask the questions they they pay let's say a certain amount more than the people that that just watch you know or the people watch watch for free and the people that interact pay like 50 bucks each and there's if there's 20 people paying 50 bucks each that's a thousand dollars and that's a lecturer making a thousand dollars and like i don't know let's say one day of, of of a workshop for example and that's a good amount of money that's not a bad amount of cash and uh, i think a lot of people would be willing to pay that amount for a workshop in that type of environment and i guess i guess that's the idea i want to get to with my thesis i want to i want to look at how online educational platforms are working right now i want to look at the instructors how they're teaching their motivation for teaching how tech savvy they are by working with their videos and producing them and all of that i want to look at the technology itself that they're working with on the platform how this technology developed how they advertised that technology how they developed it how they built it how much money it took to build it how much time it took to build it and then i want to look at the students, obviously, like the consumers, are they learning anything? How engaged are they? Are they staying till the end of the course? Because a lot of the time you have a lot of people taking a lot of courses that they don't finish. They enroll, they watch the first video, but because you don't have that commitment, because it's on your time, the decision factor of sitting down and thinking, okay, I want to start this course right now, it's non-existent, so you don't do it. And and ninety percent of students drop out, or they just don't continue. And I see I see that with myself right now. I have so many courses on Udemy that I'm I'm registered for, I'm enrolled in, that I haven't bothered taking for taking for months. Like um, I'm opening it right now. 
just uh, so you guys have an idea. <clears throat> I have a design course, I have a diet course, I have a branding course, I have a time management course, I have a passive income course, wasn't a good course. I have a writing course, I have a happiness course, I have an Instagram course, I have an affiliate marketing course, and I have a photography course that I really want to take. I really want to get into photography. I, I think I mentioned that. Capturing the perfect moment. I think I'd like that. So I have all of these courses, but I never, you know, once think to myself, like, I'm bored, I might as well start taking a course. No, what I need to do is decide, like, right now and tell myself, okay, this Instagram course, I have, like, right now, as I record this, I think I have, like, 380 Instagram followers. And the entire point of most of this is to build a following, right? So I need to utilize the tools that I have. So Instagram is one of them. So I need to tell myself, okay, how long is this course? Uh, just a second, guys. They're asking me questions like they want to see my prior knowledge. It's 4.5 hours. So 4.5 hours, that's, let's say, one hour a day. If I tell myself I take this course for... 30 minutes a day I'd be I'd be I'd be done in a week so that's that's an idea but then I have to commit to a certain time every day and I take the decision factor out and that's it done do it but uh, that's that's a big issue that online educational platforms have but if you haven't uh, have like a proper workshop like platform with with VR that people can say like oh between 12 and 3 p.m i'm joining this class about this topic you wear your headset you're in the class and it starts on time and then for three hours you're in that class interacting with people and learning everything and once we get to this type of stage just imagine how fast we can grow as a society you know because you're gonna have seven billion people with literally the same opportunity to be educated in a brilliant way so even people in the poorest places can be educated like people in the richest places and potential will spring forth. People that can do will do. And with that, the things that we can do will be unimaginable. And that's a future I'm really looking forward to and that's a future I want to help build, guys. That's the entire point of this and we're here together and we can do that together. We can learn, we can help other people learn, we can grow these things, and we can face our fears we can look at these wolves because the more i looked at the wolves the scarier they got but the more i looked at them at the same time the less i felt that they could hurt me in my dream and and I, like i talking about this now i feel like i got so much out of it because I, I do have this detached part and i do have this afraid part and i just need to let go and and be with that detachment i don't know why i'm fighting it so much um but hey, you know, each uh, each person in his journey with his own ego, right? Trying to figure it out. I just hope I get to do some good in this world, right? For what it's worth. So I'm I'm sure I'll I'll be talking about online education again uh, in the future. But uh, yeah, I hope you guys got like one lesson out of it or something interesting. Yeah. I love you guys as always. Um, excited to see where we all go. As a reminder, take my online courses on Udemy. Uh, you can find them on the website midnightwisdom.com. 
and you have the coupons in the website or you can just use the coupon MW2019 which is Midnight Wisdom 2019 take the courses I'm gonna work on understanding communication and understanding learning within the next two weeks and that's another part of the overwhelmness that I feel <laughs> overwhelmness is that even a word and yeah but I'm, I'm happy with understanding happiness uh, for what it's worth so yeah guys take care it's always midnight on midnight wisdom till the next one